Welcome back to Bruin Success, the UCLA podcast of career stories and helpful strategies from alumni who work in diverse industries around the globe. Every Bruin has unique passions, interests, and experiences that have shaped their life path and career trajectory. This week's interview features Jeff Kricka, a 2011 master's and PhD alumni of UCLA. Jeff is a composer and orchestrator. His work has been featured in major motion pictures, TV shows, video games, and heard in concert halls across the globe. He has been awarded by Turner Classic Movies, ASCAP, the RMALA, and the Henry Mancini Foundation. He has taught music theory, ear training, and composition at UCLA and the Colburn Conservatory of Music. In addition to his own composition work, he has collaborated with many composers. Some of his recent credits include composing the score for the Disney Plus original documentary series, The Imagineering Story, and the documentary feature Traces of the Brush, as well as orchestrations on Spider-Man, No Way Home, Jurassic World, Dominion, The Batman, Lightyear, Nightmare Alley, Jojo Rabbit, Incredibles 2, Coco, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, Doctor Strange, Star Trek Beyond, War for the Planet of the Apes, Inside Out, Zootopia, and more. Well, welcome to the Bruin Success Podcast, Jeff. We're so excited to have you here. Good to be here. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Well, you have such an amazing professional story, so we'd love to hear about your professional trajectory so far, um, from your undergraduate days at the University of Wisconsin-Madison to pursuing both your master's and PhD here at UCLA. Um, We'd also love to hear a little bit about your current line of work as a composer and orchestrator. What has been some pivotal moments in your career journey? Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Gloria. Um, So I'll tell you a little bit about my musical background. Um, I grew up playing and writing music Um, So I've always sort of been a part of my life. Uh, I've been playing piano since I was about five, started playing cello when I was nine, and I started composing when I was nine. So um, this has always been a a, a lifelong love of mine. Um, And I've also had a lifelong love of film. I grew up in the 80s and the 90s. I really enjoyed watching many of the popular movies from that time, Indiana Jones, Star Wars, E.T., Um, When I was 10, I remember going to see Jurassic Park uh, in the theaters, and this had a huge influence on me um, because I remember it was the first time I sort of became aware that movies had music in them. (laughs) So I was, uh, I remember being able to go home after I saw this movie and I could remember how the main melody went and I went to the piano and I realized, oh, I could play this, I could play this melody. Um, So that was sort of the beginning of this long road that I took um, that led me to becoming interested in film music and thinking about perhaps going into it um, as a career uh, and something to study. So uh, yes, as you said, I attended UW-Madison for my undergrad. Um, And I remember um, one of the things I remember was early on, um, I had to decide sort of what I really wanted my focus to be. Um, I knew I was interested in playing piano and cello Um, but also composition. So uh, very early on um, in my career at Madison, I met all of the piano performance majors um, and all the cellists in the cello studio. 
Um, and I very quickly realized I was never going to be as good as any of them. <laughs> so um, I no, decided- That's not true. I'm sure that's definitely not true. <laughs> it, it takes a lot of hard work um, to be a musician, I think. And these people had just, I think, spent way more time practicing than I had. Um, and I was fine. I mean, I was good enough to get accepted um, as a cellist and as a pianist in, in my undergrad. Um, I passed through you know, the audition and everything. Um, but these, these guys were just better than I was. Um, and I think anyway, my, my real love was music composition anyway, and it was really what I wanted to do. Um, so I decided I would go in and just focus kind of solely on that um, as a, as a major. Um, and yeah, I don't regret that decision one bit. Um, yeah. And then, as you mentioned, um, for grad school, I uh, attended UCLA. Um, and without a question, um, that was really the beginning of my professional career since a lot of the people I met um, and experiences I had as a student led to my eventual work in Hollywood as a film composer and orchestrator. Um, while I was a student at UCLA, I answered this email that came into the composer's listserv. Um, and that answering that email basically led to a connection of a connection of a connection that introduced me to um, Michael Giacchino, who is uh, one of the most prominent composers in Hollywood today. Um, he had won an Oscar for the, the movie Up. Um, and when I started working with him, that was just like a dream come true. Um, I worked on many projects, first sort as like a sort of a scoring assistant with him, um, and then eventually as an orchestrator. Um, an orchestrator, by the way, uh, is someone who usually helps the composer finish writing the music for the orchestra. Um, the composer is usually creating these demos uh, of their music on the computer, uh, and that helps sort of give the filmmakers an idea of what the music's going to sound like when real musicians play it, when you record it with the orchestra. Um, but the schedules on these films are just crazy. They're insane. Um, and so usually one person just doesn't have have enough time to be able to finish notating everything and writing everything. So um, it's my responsibility as an orchestrator to basically help the composer finish that work. Um, they've already started orchestrating the music when they're writing and I kind of pick up the baton and, and take that to the finish line. Um, so I, my main responsibility as an orchestrator is to create the um, conductor score that all the musicians parts are created from and with these kinds of films, you're maybe recording, you know, a 100 piece orchestra, maybe an 80 person choir. So it's a lot of people you kind of have to wrangle and make sure everybody has all the right information that they need to play their music and sort of faithfully um, record and perform this composer's music. So it's gonna sound like it sort of did in the demo, um, but even better. <laughs> um, so then what I'll do is I'll, I'll create this full conductor score um, and then I give that um, to a copyist who uh, sort of extracts and makes all the individual parts and they print those out and give those to the musicians. Um, and then we go and record, um, the composer and I will go and record the music with, with an orchestra. Um, and I could talk more about that sort of work uh, if you have questions about it. But um, basically, I guess the idea is, is that uh, if you had told my 10 year old self um, that one day I was going to work on, say, like a Star Wars movie or a Star Trek movie or Batman or Spider-Man or, gosh, you know, even Jurassic Park, which was, you know, the movie that sort of started this love affair of mine with, uh, with film music. 
um, these were movies that inspired me as a kid. Um, and you told me that I was going to go and work on these movies as, as a grown up, I would have, you know, thought you were joking or told you to pull the other ones. Totally a dream come true for me. Um, and I was so fortunate and, and lucky, I think, to have, you know, this opportunity to meet Michael Giacchino and, and form a career like this. And it just simply would not have been possible for me to do that, uh, or wouldn't have been easy anyway for me to do that if I hadn't been a student at UCLA. Well, you know, you definitely had the talent through all, you had the passion from your inspiration watching Jurassic Park and and that music is iconic. You know exactly where you are when you heard that, even just that melody or you hear that that song. Um, and it's definitely something that um, I can see why it gave you that passion to then pursue it. Um, what led you to say, hey, okay, I think I need to get a master's degree in this. <laughs> I saw, you know, I definitely saw that you won that Turner Classic Movies Young Composer Award. You won first place. So you definitely, again, throughout all this time, you had all this promise. And then also, you know, some people just move forward and they keep going. They don't go back to school. What led you to go back, come to UCLA and say, hey, I want to get a master's and a PhD? Because um, that's time on your, your part, too, to pursue that. It sure is. Yeah. I, um, I don't think anyone in Hollywood really cares what degree you have <laughs> either. So it's like, it's this huge investment that you make, um, yeah. uh, which wouldn't necessarily, you know, lead to anything. Um, in Hollywood, people are more concerned about, you know, who you are as a person, what your resume is, you know, what your skill set is, um, who you know, um, all that is the type of things that lead to more work coming your way. Um, but for me, I sort of uh, felt like I wanted to pursue grad school um, because music was such a huge interest of mine. And um, UCLA was in Hollywood and it was going to give me, you know, sort of a, a time to sort of percolate and, <laughs> and learn, you know, the technique and the craft of, of composing in sort of an environment that was already sort of steeped in, you know, it's right near Hollywood and you would have a lot of people coming and um, you know, being able to mentor you and, and just meeting them uh, as, as a student is, is such a huge thing. Um, but yeah, I, I applied to many grad schools. Um, yeah, I think at the time when I was an undergrad, you know, I, I knew I wanted to move out to, to Los Angeles um, and, and sort of explore film music as a career path. Um, but yeah, I didn't want to just like jump, you know, right into the water and, and, and only do that. So, um, and I applied to a bunch of other grad schools too. I, it wasn't just in, in Los Angeles. I applied to Juilliard. Um, I applied to other UC schools, Berkeley, San Diego, UCLA, USC. Um, but UCLA was really my first choice. Um, I visited the campus uh, when I was applying and I'd met some of the professors and just loved it. Um, so that was really the school that I wanted to go to. And fortunately it was, well, I don't know, fortunately, but it was the only school <laughs> that, that accepted me. Uh, I got rejected from all the other ones. So um, it was my first choice anyway, and, and that's where I ended up going. Um, it was meant to be then. Meant to be. <laughs> um, it was perfect for me. It was a perfect fit. Um, well, I do, you know, I think that's, you actually bring up a great point for many of our students who are listening, you know, you, UCLA is in the heart of LA and there is a lot of proximity to a lot of different industries 
And you can actually have that experience and the connections while you're a student, whether you're undergrad or graduate. Um, you talk about this email that you got in the listserv and you answered it. You know, I know sometimes students, things come to our students inbox and they say, oh, that seems cool. But then they don't actually take action. What was that impetus that said, hey, I, I think I really should do this because you put yourself out there, you respond and then you have to you know, jump in, introduce yourselves. What was that impetus that said, hey, I think I should respond to this? Yeah, that's a good question. Because um, as a student, uh, you know, music student, we would get you know many emails a day. You know, help me out on this project or that project. Um, and this was just one of them that came in. And there was no like indication in the email that this was going to lead to, you know, meeting somebody like Michael Giacchino. Um, I'm trying to remember. I think it was an email actually that came from a conductor of a youth orchestra, and they were premiering a piece by a composer that I didn't know. Um, and all the email was asking about was they just needed a somebody who was a composer that was uh, familiar with um, a music program called Sibelius, which is a notation program that, that I use to write music. Um, and they just needed somebody to help proofread this piece that they were premiering with this youth orchestra and uh, extract all the parts, which I had done many times as a composer of my own music. Um, so I just, I saw this email and I knew it was something, oh, I can do that. And get paid a little bit, um, get some experience, meet some new people. Um, and so I responded to it and just as uh, the, the, the fortunes aligned or whatever, um, it ended up to me, you know, that I was gonna, ended up being that I was gonna work with uh, Michael Giacchino through this connection. So yeah, very lucky. <laughs> That's, you know, oftentimes what we hear from so many of our Bruins is, is you know, they're just responding to something that looked interesting um, Typically, you're not going to get an email that says the opportunity to work with your dream hero. You know, right. that's not how opportunities work. Oftentimes, it's something smaller, but maybe you think, oh, this is something that I could do. And so you jump in and, you know, look where it takes you. Yeah. Um, you know, I know so many, you know, I'm I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, hey, like, what is a day in the life of what you do? Um, you are, you know, you've led the composition for projects and you're also part of you know, you've done Jurassic World, Spider-Man, and like, these are huge projects. What does the a day in a life look like for you? Um, and also, it sounds like you have people that are part of the process, like you were part of someone else's process. You know, what kind of roles are part of this process for those that are interested and would want to be part of this industry? Um, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, well, it depends, you know, the day in the life will depend sort of what my schedule's like. Um, sometimes I'm very busy and sometimes I'm not busy at all. Um, but if I am working on a major project, usually my day starts pretty early. I'll get up and start working uh, on the computer. I work out of my home studio here in my house. Um, and sometimes I'll work fairly late into the evening. Because usually on these projects, you're you're working on a lot of music. Um, you know, a major uh, film might have you know, 90 minutes, 100 minutes of, of music in it. Um, and you're usually working on that over a period of, you know, a week or two that you may, maybe have to, to finish everything. It's, it's, it's highly condensed uh, amount of time. Um, and uh, I think the important thing about the daily schedule is that you um, sort of find time to take breaks and you don't just get like sucked into just sitting on the computer and working. <laughs> um, so I just make sure I get up, walk around, walk the dog, eat. <laughs> um, take care of yourself in this process. Yeah, very important because it's so easy, I think, to get burnt out um, in, in the 
massive amount of work and just know that you, it's, it's, it's impossible to do everything. So it's good to have, you know, a team of people to help support you. Um, and, and one of the things I just love about the process too is, is what you said um, is that basically I'm just like sitting here in, in my studio all by myself working on the computer, working on this music. And then maybe the next day I'm, you know, in a room with a hundred of the most talented musicians in the world and they're recording and performing the music that you were just working on the previous day. So it's, it's a, you know, a huge swing of like, <laughs> you're all by yourself and then you're in this, you know, this, this massive group of people and this collaboration that, that happens from, from that process is something that's really exciting for me. Um, it's this whirlwind of creativity. Uh, it's just something I've never totally gotten used to and, and just love the thrill of hearing and experiencing, you know, all the fruits of your, your labor. Do you, uh, for this process, you know, do you work with the team, the director? Do you go to ever watch them film some scenes just to get a sense? And obviously you're setting, you know, as the music, you set the tone, you set the mood, you know, you 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 almost take it across the finish line because sometimes you fill a lot of the empty spaces. How do you, what is your creative process to really say, oh, this is, I think, the continuous sound and the feel that this movie or project is going to take. Yeah. So when you're working on a on a film score, that's usually happening most of the time. Is happening at the sort of very end of the filmmaking process. So I'm not usually going to the set and like meeting all the actors. They've they've already filmed the film and already you know started editing the film once I start working on it. Um, and so my uh, team of people that I that I tend to work with are are the people on the music team. So. Um, uh, if I'm the orchestrator, I'm working with the composer, I'm working with the music editor, I'm working with the, the copyist, and we all sort of have our own important roles and help support each other so that we can together kind of collaborate to create, you know, this thing that's going to get recorded and performed by musicians um, in a really condensed period of time. Um, and, you know, it's the composer that's going to sort of set the tone and make all the decisions about you know, the melodies and harmonies and sort of the trajectory that the score is going to take, but also as part of the collaboration, you know, it's, it's what everybody else is bringing the, to the table too. And I think the people that are most successful in this career are the ones that know how to sort of collaborate well and, and work with others so that they can bring their own talents, you know, to the front. And, um, you know, you sort of start the project with maybe one idea of what it's going to be, and it evolves throughout the process as everybody kind of comes in and, and brings their talents to it. Um, that's something that I think, you know, the most creative people and the most successful people in the business, they, they sort of know how to, how to, to manage that and deal, that, deal with that. Um, and for me, it's, it's super fun because it's not just what I'm doing, it's what everybody else is doing and how I kind of contribute to the whole. Well, I can also imagine that, you know, you're, as you're saying, it is how they manage through maybe changing expectations or the collaborative process. Cause you know, being creative, you're very vulnerable. You put a lot of effort into this. This is your vision, but there's multiple players that are part of this that might have an edit or may say, oh, this is not the direction we want to go in. How do you, you know, what do you do for yourself? But then 
also, what do you advise for those that want to get into this? You know, what are some tips that you would give Bruins who want to get into this creative process or even get into the entertainment industry? Do you, you know, what do you think they would need to be successful? Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, you have to be flexible when you're collaborating with others. You know, this is not just, you know, you're not the sole creator. It's, it's a collaborative process. Um, and the people that are most successful are the ones that, that, that collaborate well um, and don't just try to sort of stand on their own and you know, <laughs> has to be this way, right? It's, it's, if, if you want, want to do that, it's probably better to go into just concert, you know, music composition and you're just, you know, writing, you know, your own pieces that nobody else is really having a say in. But even that's not really true. Even when you, when you write concert music, um, you're usually writing commissions and the people that you're writing the commissions for are having some, some kind of say and kind of music that they're they're looking for. Um, I suppose if you were really wealthy and just had no, no need to like build any other sources of income, then you could just do pretty much whatever you wanted. <laughs> um, you just do whatever you you decide because you, you're, you're self-funded. You're so. fine, yeah. Not yeah. how everyone is, I guess. There's definitely composers in history that were like that and did, did amazing things because nobody else is really telling them what to do. Um, but yeah, uh, some advice, I guess, that uh, I could give to um, young Bruins who are, you know, looking to work um, in this uh, field would be, I would just say, learn as much as you possibly can um, about as many different things as you can when you're a student. You know, really try to explore areas that you're not familiar with or even comfortable with. Um, work with student filmmakers and, you know, get experience about what the filmmaking process is like so that you're ready for you know more opportunities when they do come um, a lot of the work you'll get is really not just due to who you know um, but also what your resume and what your reputation is and just your skill set um, so the larger skill set that you have i think the more likely you'll be able to find work and and also just reach out and meet people um, the connections you form as a student, at least they were for me, um, are part of the working relationships that you, know, you have in your career. And all the first work that I found when I was a student came from those connections that I made, made at UCLA. I do have a question. Um, you know, you talked that you said that your watching the movie Jurassic Park was a huge moment that drove you into this area. Um, and that, then you, in your career, have worked on the Jurassic World franchise. Um, what were some, you know, what did that feel like? What was that like to have that like full circle moment than being part of the actual franchise that inspired you? And are there other moments that you're very proud of in your career? Oh, that was just like a dream come true, you know, working on uh, you know, the, the music that we used in, in Jurassic World, some of it was the music that was in Jurassic Park, you know, it was quoting and um, using this melody or that melody from those movies that I knew so, so well growing up. And so being able to sort of like play in that sandbox, uh, was just like, <laughs> I, I- Such a dream. Would never have believed it, you know, when I was younger. Um, and the same is true, like all the other movies I've worked on. Star Wars was that way. I worked on Star Wars Rogue One and, you know, just getting to work with some of these melodies that, that John Williams had written for like, you know, the original Star Wars movies, it's just, it's so crazy. I can't believe I get to do this. Aside from like the, you know, the projects that I've worked on, I'm definitely very proud of um, 
I had won this award. I think you had mentioned it before, the, the Turner Classic Movies Young Film Composers Competition Award. Um, this was a, a competition that I applied to very early on in my UCLA career um, as a student, sort of before I knew that I was going to be kind of doing okay as a film composer. I hadn't done much film work at that point. Um, this was an online competition that Turner Classic Movies, the film channel, would run. Um, they didn't run it anymore, unfortunately. I think they've, they've uh, discontinued the, the competition, unfortunately. Um, but this was an online competition that they would have where they would, um, they have like tons of uh, silent films in their archives. Um, and as you might know, silent films don't usually have a film score um, associated with them because when these films played back in the day in the, the movie houses, um, they were usually like live improvised scores that, that um, would accompany these films by live musicians, um, an organist or you know, maybe a pianist, you know, just sitting there kind of playing along with the, the movie. Um, but these are like classic films and if they don't have a score, they can't air them, they can't show them on, on their channel. Um, so they would pick a film each year and they would pick some clips from it and they would post those clips online and they would get young composers to um, basically submit scores for these clips. Um, so I, I did this, um, like I said, early on in my, my UCLA career and was just so thrilled and uh, grateful and surprised uh, that I ended up winning first prize in this competition. Um, it was judged by um, Hans Zimmer, who's a major composer in Hollywood. Um, and this was sort of like my first real uh, sort of indication, I guess you could say, that um, I was going to do okay <laughs> in, in the film music world, that I kind of had some talent for it or would you know, know what to do. Um, so um, yeah, I, I, uh, this was like sort of a major moment for me early on something that just definitely stands out as something I'm really proud of. Uh, a fun uh, UCLA fact is that Hans Zimmer we, uh, received the George and Ira Gershwin Award last year for Spring Sing. So ah. you have a, you're in great footsteps because that, that could be you too. You could be getting a Lifetime Career in Music Award as well. So you know, you're well on your way and it seems that, you know, you have such a great also like personality and attitude through all of this you know you have achieved some great success but it seems like you also give back to the community um, how has the Bruin community impacted you you know even now um, in your professional trajectory um yeah I, I, as I said before I just would not be where I am today if it wasn't for UCLA so um I mean I spoke about meeting Michael Cicchino through my uh, career at UCLA um but really my education at UCLA just ended up giving me all these tools and knowledge and experience that I think is needed for the work that I do. Um, yeah, I uh, love being able still also to, to give back. Um, I still teach. Um, that is something I didn't mention. Um, early on in my career as a, as a film composer, and probably anybody's career, I would guess, is you're sort of navigating this tricky schedule of, you know, sometimes you're really busy and sometimes you're not busy at all. Um, and uh, being able to sort of go with the ups and downs of that uh, is, is something that not everybody is able to, to manage very well. Um, 
for me, I was able to find a regular schedule because I was so fortunate and lucky to be, after I graduated from UCLA, to be hired by UCLA as a professor and, and teach uh, music theory um, part-time, basically. And that helped create sort of a steady schedule for me um, in between film projects. Um, and I love teaching. It's uh, something I hope I can keep doing for as long as my schedule permits. Um, over the years, um, I've had to sort of cut back a little bit um, as I started getting busier um, with, with film projects, but um, yeah, it's something I hope I can continue to do and, and give back, you know, all the, the inspiration that my own teachers inspired me. You know, my teachers from very young, from studying piano and cello as, as a young kid, all the way up through um, grad school at UCLA. Um, it's such a uh, rewarding thing, I think, to be able to give back that, that knowledge and that inspiration to the younger generations. Well, and I'm sure your students also appreciate, you know, not just the theory you're able to build, you know, in them that foundation, but then even seeing the work that you're doing and you're creating um, in actual movies and projects, you know, that's actually really cool to see too, that they can say, hey, this is a future that I can have. Mm -hmm. And so many of our alumni, you know, we have on our podcast is we want to show our students, young alumni, alumni all over the world, this is what you can do with your UCLA degree and the education you receive, you know, your future is really unlimited. The options you have, you can do so much. Um, you know, we ask all of our podcast uh, interview. Uh, interviewees, what does success mean to you and how have you defined it in your own life? <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, probably if you'd asked me, uh, say like 10 years ago, what success means. Success, I would say, would, would have been uh, if I could ride on an airplane and watch a movie <laughs> that I had worked on as the in-flight movie. Um, but I suppose that's happened, you know, it's been many years since that's happened. Um, and I should probably reevaluate that. Um, not a bad, not a bad success measure. That's pretty awesome, actually. You're like, wow, I know exactly where I was when this I created this. That's so cool. Yeah, it's uh, just, just like so so crazy that I get to do this kind of stuff. That that part of it's never gotten old for me, definitely. Um, yeah, I guess um, when I think about it, success is sort of the the feeling I think that I get when I look back on a project that I've worked on, a piece of music that I've composed, a film that I've orchestrated, um, and seen the effect that it has on, on other people, you know, um, see that other people are enjoying the work that I've done in some way. Some of these films reach audiences of, you know, millions and millions of people. Um, so that's a huge platform. And I, although I know that like only a small fraction of, of that you know audience is really paying attention to the music and, and noticing it still if I can know that I'm inspiring even just one other person to say take up an interest in music you know learn how to play piano learn how to play guitar maybe think about writing music even if it's just for fun you know as a hobby I'd say that's a sign of success and a, and a job well done because I think, you know, if anything, you know, the world needs more art and music in it. So it's so grateful that I get, you know, the opportunity to do this. Well, I am pretty sure there is some young person listening to the music that you've written in these movies. And just like you had that moment of inspiration and, you know, that click, you're, you're creating that in, in them and in your students. 
Um, it's been, you know, just even hearing your story, it's so cool to just see the progression, you know, from that being in it and taking in the inspiration. And now you're able to inspire others. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Um, we have some, before we officially end the podcast interview, uh, we have some fun rapid fire questions just to get to know you more a little bit. Um, what is one great, what is a great book or article you've read recently? And I think for you, we can make a special exception to, you can even say song that you've listened to that you would recommend. Well, I never stop listening to music. That's, that's for sure. I, I'm always trying to find new music, new types of music and genres to listen to to sort of, you know, expand my horizons and, uh, you know, learn how to do, you know, the next thing better um, by just listening to, to more music. Um, I don't know if there's this particular piece or anything that, that's really caught my attention lately. Um, so many, uh, but in terms of like what I'm reading, like I, I do try to read uh, books and articles uh, as much as I can, um, as my schedule permits. I've been in the middle of this, uh, this fantasy series called the Stormlight Archive, which is like a 10 book uh, series that's each book is like a thousand pages long. And it's just, it's fun wow. to <laughs> immerse into this, this world that's very different from the world that I experience as a composer and orchestrator. Um, so yeah, I love Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter and these you know fantasy epics. So it's it's a fun fun one I've been diving into lately. <laughs> what numbered book are you in out of ten? I'm on the third book right now. Um, oh great, you're still early. That's awesome. Still early, and I think the the author hasn't. Uh, it's Brandon Sanderson. He hasn't gotten past book four yet. So <laughs> he's finished book four. So I'll, I'll have some some catch up to do later once he, <laughs> he finishes books five through ten. Nice. Um, okay, next question. What is your favorite place on campus? Uh, probably Royce Hall. Um, I mean, the UCLA campus is just one of the best parts, I think, of UCLA. It's one of the best things UCLA has to offer. It's so beautiful. The architecture, the landscaping, it's just so peaceful and beautiful. Like some of my famous favorite memories are, you know, walking around campus and enjoying that between classes. But yeah, Royce Hall, I think, because um, I have many great memories of concerts there. Um, when I was a student, a grad student, I was fortunate to be able to play in the UCLA Philharmonia Orchestra. We did a, a concert of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, um, which was just an experience I'll never forget. So Royce Hall. <laughs> and the last question is, I guess maybe that is part of this last question is your favorite UCLA memory. Um, yeah, aside from those those concerts, um, probably some of my other favorite memories um, from UCLA are when I was a student, was getting to meet um, some of my idols that I had when I was growing up, um, film composers that would come to campus and give lectures and give master classes. Um, for me, one of the most meaningful and memorable ones was was getting it uh, was being able to meet James Horner, um, who's also a UCLA. That's a big. UCLA that's alum. a big name. Yeah, he's a UCLA alum as well. Um, and he came when I was a grad student and he gave a talk. Um, and he was just the most kind and a generous person. Um, and he inspired me so much when I was a young composer and um, a lot of the movies that he scored you know, from the 80s and 90s are some of my favorite film scores. So being able to just get the chance to meet him uh, 
definitely a highlight of the time that I had at UCLA. Wow. Well, thank you so much just for taking the time to sit with us and share your story, share how you define success. And, you know, thank you for also continuing to inspire Bruins um, in the work that you're doing, the music that you're creating, and also the classes that you're teaching. Um, it's exciting to hear um, just where you've where you've gone with from your time at UCLA, but also just to see all know you're going to be going super far, even further than you have gone already. And, you know, maybe we'll be giving you an award soon after <laughs> the person who gave you your award of Hans Zimmer. So it's super exciting. And yeah, thank you for your time uh, of talking to us today. Yeah, thank you yeah, so much, Gloria, for having me. It's been great. Thank you for joining us for our interview with Jeff Kricka. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. Visit his website to hear more of his work at www.jeffkrikamusic.com. That's spelled J-E-F-F-K-R-Y-K-A-music.com. As part of the podcast, we share a career tip at the end of each episode. This episode's tip is from alumni Mia Salishi. She says, specializing in an absolutely necessary function that others in the department or organization can't fulfill makes you indispensable. Consider upskilling with projections of in-demand skills as it pertains to the future of work. Thanks, Mia. If you have a career tip of your own that you would like featured on the podcast, you can email a voice memo or written tip to ace at support.ucla.edu. We look forward to highlighting your strategies for success with the Bruin community. Join us for more episodes in the coming weeks and follow us on the UCLA Alumni Career Engagement and UCLA Alumni Association Facebook and Instagram accounts. Thanks for listening. Go Bruins!